So, welcome to the next episode of our TMP podcast. The first one after the long vacation period. And this episode is about the optimizer. So, my name is Thomas Quintus and I'm Scrum Master of the Freight Order Management Team. Yeah. Mike Burke, uh, North American Consulting, uh, currently uh, working with development, uh, a lot of experience with optimizer in, in various scenarios. Christoph Eckert, I'm one of the developers of the optimizer engine. My name is Thomas Schulz, also developer in the optimizer engine. My name is Katrin Dukerhoff, and I'm also a developer of the optimization team. My name is Florence Schweinfurt. I'm also in the optimizer team, and I'm more or less responsible for the more technical stuff of the optimizer. Hi, my name is Holger Hühner. I'm architect in the planning team on the application side. Yeah, my name is Bernd Dilley. I'm here for the stupid questions today. Um, yeah, as you, you, the optimizer knows me like that, so optimizer team, so good. Perfect fit. Yeah, as usual, first we, we talk uh, about that topic from 10,000 feet perspective. So why, why do we have that optimizer engine at all? So I mean, it's at least four people working on it. So there must be a reason uh, uh, to, to have it. Yeah. Maybe. I would <laughs> distinguish between a calculation and an optimization to make this difference clear. A calculation, you have uh, one solution for a certain problem. An example would be the sum of two numbers. 12 plus 5 is 17. There's only this one only solution. Um, on the other hand, you have the optimization. In the optimization, you have um, many, many, many solutions. And you want to find one of these um, solutions um, with a certain um, weight or cost setting, I would say. For example, you want to fly from Madrid to Berlin and assuming there's no direct flight. So you could go via Madrid, Paris, Paris, Berlin, or you could go um, Madrid, Rome, Berlin. Both solutions are valid, but of course, one is shorter than the other one. And probably because it's shorter, it's also cheaper, less costs. And in an optimization problem, you have typically many, many, many possible solutions. And may I ask one question in here? Course. So in, in that sense, for the optimization in TM, what would be a, an example for a solution for you? An example for a solution would be the, the shipment of a freight unit from its source location to its destination location, going via some transshipment locations, maybe, or maybe directly. Okay. That is the most simple solution, I think. This is the most simple solution. Yeah. should be shipped, and the solution is to create a freight order or select a freight booking or use a schedule for exactly okay. that is a, if you talk about solutions so that that would be an example okay thanks and maybe just to add to that the the vsr optimizer is about so there's kind of two kinds of optimization one is consolidation which is more on the road transport and then there's the transportation proposal which would be your kind of your multimodal ocean container type of planning and those are completely different uh, yeah, problems to, to solve. Right. Okay. On the, on, the, on the roadside, it's about consolidation, making decision between LTL, full truckload, maybe through hubs, and then, and of course, still respecting yeah, requested delivery dates and windows and other constraints and incompatibilities. A transportation proposal is a bit more complicated, right? Whether there's bookings and, yeah. 
Okay. I would like to come back a little bit to these uh, many, many solutions we mm -hmm. have. Um, I already mentioned there were good solutions and not so good solutions. So you could sh go the short way or the long way. Short way typically would be cheaper, would be a better solution. And I would um, um, like to mention that um, a very important point is the runtime. So if you want to have the best solution possible for a freight unit from source to destination, the simplest way would to be enumerate all possible solutions and then comparing all these possible solutions and choosing the best one and giving this back to the uh, user. Enumerate means uh, enumerate. try it. Kind of. Yes, calculate it hmm? and uh, calculate the cost and then comparing for all these solutions the cost and returning the best one. However, this is not possible because even in medium-sized realistic transportation network scenarios, you have millions and billions of possible solutions. Calculating all of these solutions would take years of runtime, no matter which type of computer you use. So we have to um, limit the runtime of the optimizer, that it doesn't take years until it finds a solution, but a certain Months. amount of time, half an hour, an hour, depends on the size and the complexity of the input scenario. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the optimizer engine uh, uses uh, heuristics to not simply stupidly enumerate all possible solutions, but the most promising once and then chooses after the runtime has finished um, the so far best solution found and returns it to the user so it's very important to have in mind that the optimizer uh, in a normal scenario cannot find the best solution but in the limited runtime given by the user it tries to find a very good one with heuristical approaches Okay, we come, I think, to that details, how it's searching for that. We come um, to this later, but, mm -hmm. but very it's important to know, to have in mind, what, what is optimization in comparison to a calculation? Mm -hmm. and, and a very common problem in the field, as we just discovered in the last couple of days again, is customers don't necessarily understand that going in. They do some QA testing, maybe with 10, 20, 30% of the volume. Uh, maybe run the optimizer for half an hour with a single CPU, get acceptable results, and then they run it in production with 10x the volume, which isn't just 10x the runtime because it increases the number of possible solutions exponentially. And yeah, and then the, the optimizer doesn't produce the results that they're expecting. And there's a lot of confusion on how much runtime do we need, parallel processing. And also, I think uh, that what you mentioned as the best solution, I think we can maybe also come to it. All right, let's discuss it. Now, I think that can also be very different for for the same problem, right? So if uh, if if one customer uh, have a focus on customer service for sales orders, then the best solution is to deliver everything very punctual, even if it would take a longer ride to do it or a longer drive, versus I, I do cross-stock, uh, sorry, stock transfer thing, where, where really the cost, uh, the distance uh, defined cost, for example, would play a role. Or if I'm in the US, then the <laughs> it is important where the last location really is. If it's downtown or not downtown, that is something that doesn't matter, for example, then in Europe. Even so, even if the distance would be longer in the US, since the last location is a 
in a cheap zone that can still again be the the best solution right i think that's also one aspect yes. what best <laughs> means is uh there are various factors influencing what means good and what means not so good mm. so it's times it's distances it's uh um um, alternative uh, vehicles, do I go by air or by road? These are all different cost terms. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's uh, it's uh, also the task of um, the user setting up an optimization uh, scenario to, to think about these costs and to set up these costs and to, to use these costs also to influence um, the result the optimizer will produce. Okay. So to try to summarize, the target of the optimizer is for given transportation requirements, in our case, normally freight units, TMP2, episode two. So if you want to know what a freight unit is, go to episode two um, and find the best way of delivering it, if possible, and then creating as a result freight orders, freight bookings, typically, or find that it's cheaper not to deliver. I think we also had examples where you don't want to truck or ship a truck if it's uh, below like 70% utilization or something. It cannot, so the best solution can potentially also be not to deliver in some cases, right? So as you said, what's the best solution is something defined by the customer scenario. And then how to translate that customer scenario into something you understand, um, something we come to later. Okay, I think we can now dive a bit deeper, right? Enough from 10,000 foot. Maybe one last point, because it's a, it's a critical one that comes up again at every uh -huh. customer. That's the topic of costs, real costs versus notional costs, um, and the concept of DSO or direct shipment option. Again, customers don't always understand that initially. and so the, in the case of road transportation, where we have a lot of small LTL freight units. The job of the optimizer is to see if we can find a cheaper consolidation alternative. So the DSO cost, direct shipment option, typically be the real LTL cost, right, which is calculated already in the, in the freight unit and is automatically fed into the optimizer. Right? So now when we go through our consolidation, it's important that we then compare that real LTL cost to real FDL cost, right? Still a bit of a gap there, but with an enhancement uh, that can be addressed uh, for, for the most part. Um, yeah, well, it's really important that the, the audience understands that whole topic going into the design hmm. around real cost. Because if you don't have the, the right cost factors, yeah, that all the other constraints don't. Really yeah, we, I think we come to that if you go, what is actually the information that the optimizer gets? Uh, I think yeah. with that, it, uh, will become clearer what is possible and what's maybe also not possible with the optimizer. That's a, we try to go through that. Yeah, maybe as a very basic step, we should discuss what do I need if I want to use that uh, magic uh, machine. So what is the technical infrastructure and, and setup that I that would need? So I, I'm new in TM, I want to try that uh, optimizer. Yeah, what do I need? Where do I get it from? Maybe flow you can add some words. <laughs> yeah, you need um, you basically need the, the optimizer. That's what we are currently discussing about. Um, it's a little engine. You can think of it like an executable, like your notepad is just one executable. Um, 
You can download it from the service marketplace where you get all our software. Um, either you go for a patch if you have already installed it and want to update to the newest version, um, or you go to the downloads and installations and there you get a whole a CD with all our optimizer engine for different platforms. We have currently support three platforms. That's the Windows, the RX platform, and the Linux platform. That's what we currently support. So basically it's a separate, it's not installed on the, or it's not part of TM and not programmed yeah. in ABAP also, yeah. but uh, yeah. What it's is a, it? Maybe it's some words on tech, really technically. It's, a, it's technically it's a, it's written in C++. It's a C++ executable, totally independent from your application server, from your TM. So after you install TM, you do not have the optimizer. You have some of the basic configuration, uh, customizing set up, but um, the optimizer is not running. So you need to ask your uh, IT guys to, to set up the optimizer and um, yeah, either uh, you can set it up on a, on a dedicated server or you can set it up on your own application server. So there are various options um, where you can run yeah, Should we also discuss a bit on when would I install it on a separate server and sure. when would I do, put it on an application server? I think one obvious prerequisite is that the application server runs or runs on the same uh, um, operating system that you support, right? Yeah, of course. And besides that, what, what would, why would I install a separate server and not put it on my application server? What are the... Yeah, the, the basic... Um, well, the most important thing is that um, optimization requires a lot of uh, CPU power. So as, as faster your CPU is, um, the faster we can compute solutions. That's the basic thing. So um, it's always good to have a free server. So as long as you have other things running on it, either it's a database or it's an application server, all of that consumes CPU as well as memory. So the second thing besides CPU power is memory. We always use, depending on your data volume, of course, we need a lot of memory while we do some computing. Of course, we have to have everything in the memory. Mm. And so um, it's always good to have a standalone server. We recommend, at least for productive use, we recommend to have a standalone server in place. Okay. I think one more reason is also uh, for maintainability, so to say, if you have uh, one application server, but behind that different service, we also have some um problems for for the error analysis right yeah yeah we um as we are not running on the application server or not running in abap um like tm does we have to have some some kind of uh, magic in the background which um yeah gives us the ability to to do some maintenance on our own that means we have to write some trace files we have to somehow at least sometimes dump the input data that the optimizer gets dump our results so that we can um, s somehow look at how the process went, what went wrong, and mm -hmm. what is the data that, that came in. And for that, we have to um, yeah, have some, some, some communication with the optimization server. And if you, have, uh, if you can think of multiple application servers mm -hmm. and you have just maintained um, yeah, one destination in it, um, then we don't know where to get the, the trace files from. That's yeah. that's one of the, the problems. I would need to dig deeper into that in order to explain why, but it's always yeah. it's always an issue to have multiple uh, application servers. So because we don't know why the, or where the trace files are located in that case. Okay, and so as I understood that one piece is that you really have a for production is a separate machine where you install that executable, 
then you most likely need like a connection, RC connection to yeah. it. And, and for, is there, maybe for that you yeah. need, a, um, it's not just the executable, you also need the SAP gateway for that, mm -hmm. which does the RFC communication on that server. Okay. If you have a if you have your application server, it already has the um, SAP gateway built in, but if you go for a standalone uh, server, you would need, besides our optimizer engines, you would also need the SAP gateway installed. Okay, but I think there will be installation guides for that, yeah, how to do Absolutely, that. yes. Okay. Do I, so now I have that engine, I have that connection, I think somehow I also have to teach my system yeah. when to call this engine and when another one, maybe if I have multiple servers, so yeah. is there, so that I think there's yeah. some more magic in the middle, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, um, a framework involved, it's called RCCF. So if you use the transactions for customizing the optimizer, you will come around RCCF. It's called Remote Control and Communication Framework. So it handles all the, the communication and controlling of the, of the optimizer engines. There is one transaction where you can customize your engine destinations means um, that you have for, we have different optimizer engines. Uh, we haven't uh, digged into that already, but we have mm. different types. And for each type, you can maintain, um, let's say, at least one server or at mm. least one destination. They can all live on the same server. They can, everyone can be on a separate server that totally depends on your own scenario. And you can also have for one optimizer engine, multiple um, multiple destinations for load balancing or as said if you have a very high volume or have very high need for for computation power then you can also maintain um, different servers so that you can have multiple runs at once which go onto different servers okay. and um, for that we have one destination and the uh, for, for one customizing transaction and the other one of course is the rfc the normal RFC destinations, which you have to adjust. Um, we we pre-deliver some of the destinations so that you just need to change the your host name, meaning your server name, and um, yeah, the path where you did install your executables. Um, and just if you want to maintain some more, you have to create new ones. Okay. So. But normally, I think after a normal system setup procedure, all that stuff would already be done by the basis, right? Just uh, yes, yes. More. I guess your yeah, yeah, IT guys will, will do the main customizing steps. And, and talking about that installation options, maybe <coughs> you can also just uh, talk about, uh, yeah, as Mike said, you, you might have big optimization problems and, and limited times if you run into production system and maybe limited server capabilities. Are there also options to kind of outsource that or do I always have to have that huge machine even if I only need it once a, once a week, for example? Um, yeah, we have a cloud solution in place. Um, it's not an offering from, from SAP, so we, we will not be hosting, at least not at the moment, we will not be hosting um, the optimization server, but you could... Um, use a, a cloud provider and, and install the optimizer there. So um, for this case, we do not rely on RFC connection. We, we rely on a web service SOAP connection. Um, it's a common standard for web services and um, we could uh, utilize that, but um, it's currently not in the standard. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, um, a thing where you should get a, a consultant involved. Yeah, yeah that'd be. In that case too. Um, to make sure that um, you get some support from our side and get all the technical stuff set up. 
Right but it's possible, mm. and it's uh, it's for for smaller runs. And if you do not want to waste the whole machine for for that, and just need it on the weekend or something like that, it's it's uh, very or, possible. Or if you need a huge instance, but only like once a week, yes, that absolutely, might be, uh, absolutely, use case. Then okay. yes. it would be things. The so service would be things like Microsoft Azure, and then. Um, currently, it's it's um, primarily it's Amazon. Huh? Um, Microsoft Azure is, is a little bit a different approach okay. on, on the cloud thing, but currently it's it's Amazon and everything. Uh, every other provider who does uh, infrastructure as a service thing. Cool. So that is. Yeah, I guess uh, something we need to to remember in that case is. Um, um, maybe some some words about the technical or how how does the optimizer work at all? Mm -hmm. um, because we'll later talk about uh, our uh, input files and stuff like that. Is that um, uh, our optimizer works stateless, uh, which means it does not. It's not like a database, or it it cannot directly access your database and with all the data in it. But um, it's. Um, it works like that. If if you punch the button on your on your screen and you want to optimize something, the optimizer is, is started up, so it's not running all the time. It's mm. started on demand, and after that, it um, it gives a call into your system and gets all the data relevant for this very very special optimization scenario. So only a li limited amount of your data is transferred to the optimizer. Then this data is optimized, and the result is then pushed back to the system. And after that, the optimizer uh, goes down and it's finished. So it's totally stateless. There is no no data written that uh, will be later on used for another uh, optimization run or something like that. It's it's definitely totally stateless. So everything the optimizer knows must be in their transfer file. So if yes. you can't find it there, most likely or definitely it's not cannot be considered by the optimizer definitely. since there's no magic. Or yes. So. Yes. Okay. So if you yeah, because sometimes I also had that discussion that said, ah, I changed that setting and then I have that result. But if you don't find that setting. In, in that communication file, most likely you at least have a special uh, perception or something, but it can't really influence the optimizer if it's not there. There's nothing that the optimizer would call back and ask for something or get additional information. All it got, that got, no. got is uh, through that in, in file, maybe we can, that's what we always reference as the in file, right? Yes. That's a file sent to the optimizer and the out file is then the perfect or Good. Uh, whatever runtime you give it, the best solution found in a given runtime. Yes. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean the wording comes uh, from a. We look at the optimizer and uh, it's input data, so we call it the in file. Mm. And it's from the optimizer perspective, it's what we give out is our out file. And right from our perspective, vice versa, right? From yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'd like okay. to mention one one thing that this doesn't. Uh, um, uh, misunderstood. Um, you can, of course, uh, start several instances of the optimizer in parallel. So two users can press the button at the same time and mm, two definitely. independent instances. Um, I think that is maybe if we go through that process, what happens then? So you press that button, then it, you already talked about that customizing. We'll be fine. Okay. If I do that optimization, and maybe now we can also say that you mentioned already different kinds of optimization. I think in our context is that what we call VSR, right? Vehicle scheduling and, and routing. The standard optimization, vehicle scheduling and routing. Mm -hmm. We have the um, further mentioned uh, transportation proposal, sometimes called uh, VRG. 
And there are some other optimizers uh, which come about. Uh, carrier selection is uh, something which is sometimes relevant uh, from mm. the planning perspective. But does we the carrier selection do very high level? Select um, the carrier? The carrier selection <laughs> finds uh, the best uh, carrier uh, for freight order. Uh, it's running uh, after the VSR optimization. So first of all, um, you plan your freight orders with a planning cost or maybe uh, some real costs uh, which are put into the planning costs. And afterwards, in a second step, um, the carrier selection optimizer is called. And it is select, uh, um, it is an exact algorithm, uh, that means uh, that it will find the best solution. Um, yeah, it's a mixed integer linear pro problem. And, um, yes, uh, normally it's very fast. And, um, if you compare it with a VSR optimizer here, um, you give a, Runtime, but normally, as uh, the optimizer finds the best solution, it will finish before because it knows now I found the best solution, mm -hmm. and it will give it back. Um, Again, yes, what is the best in, in in sense of a carrier selection? The best solution means uh, with the best cost. The carrier selection is also uh, cost based. In this so case, it's using, of course, real costs calling the charge calculation engine and, yes. and actually... Yes, it's real costs uh, from the carriers, but um, you have also some penalties um, for uh, business shares. Yes, uh, and, think, and yeah, these right, are going into the costs. Because yeah. and otherwise, uh, if we wouldn't have that constraints, it would just be calculation, right? As you yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so. it would be a sorting of yeah. carriers. When, mm -hmm. when, uh, when you only have the prices um, for the transportation, then you would have been, um, you, you would have a sorting uh, of the fr uh, carriers. And if you have some uh, capacity restrictions or business shares, then it uh, becomes a real uh, optimization problem. And yeah, and then uh, the engine is calculating or finding the best, the really best solution. Yeah. And considering the cost for different carriers, but also what is my target business share so that I, of course, if otherwise I would always use my cheapest carrier and never use my Backup carrier. Yeah. I think that is one thing to be considered, right? And then also uh, maximum, maximum and minimum usages of certain carriers yes, and certain some buckets. Carrier, yeah. Okay, have only a limited capacity. That makes it then complicated enough that it's worth an optimizer. Yeah. All that together. Yeah. Okay. And when we talk about again hmm? cost, just to be clear, on a freight order by freight order, right? You can you've got the list of carriers, and it's you know pretty simple to create the ranked list. But if there's business share and allocations in place, then it'll consider the total lowest cost solution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's Basically, if I have a cheap two carriers, one is cheaper than the other in both cases, and then I have a, like a 50-50 business share, it would pick the one where the difference is bigger yeah. and select it there, right? That's a basic idea. Okay, so we have that vehicle scheduling and routing engine, optimizer engine. We have then that routing guide or, or transportation proposal, proposal usually thing. called. We have the carrier, carrier selection. selection. And I think the scheduler is also using that same infrastructure, right? Yes, it's using the infrastructure and the mm. executables, but it's not an optimizer in, uh, mm. from the optimizer definition. This is more mm. some, some calculation engine just, uh, 
defining some dates and times for the some activities. So it's if you are manually planning freight orders, adding some freight units somewhere, then this uh, there has to be some calculation. When uh, can it take place? Uh, does it fit from the times? And these uh, calculations are done with a VSS engine uh, scheduling, a small scheduling engine called uh, from uh, from the application from the manual planning itself and not from uh, inside the other optimizers. Okay. It's not an optimizer because in manual planning you want to have the result very fast. So I think that that's why maybe it's also one concern since this is uh, also called the scheduler is called I think the transportation proposal uh, it can also be called in as part of the sales order scheduling so when you enter the sales order yeah. i think the um and maybe that's also one point for that rcc connection so for for those scenarios at least it makes sense to have a very fast uh, connection so maybe have also nearby physically nearby server for that scheduling and for the uh, maybe transportation proposal because that's interactive Versus the optimizer, maybe it's something run in batch, and then the communication time is not so critical. So that's why I think it may make sense to have different optimization or engine servers for the different use cases as well, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, you, mm. if you if you go for real time, you wouldn't go for a cloud provider, for mm. example. Um, but if you have a batch job running at the weekend or at the evening, you can, of course, outsource that one. Okay. So... If you press that button, you to close the loop, you press the button, you know, okay, now I do the vehicles, uh, VSR optimizer. So, and then you look up in the table, okay, for the VSR optimizer, I should use that engine. Then that in file is kind of created based on the input. We come to that later and passed to the optimizer, which is started before, calculated as long as allowed. And then the out file is returned and processed by the application yeah. again. I mean, it's it's important to know that we do not transfer files, but um, yeah. the files are just for for maintenance purposes. We write down um, everything we we get in and and get out as as long as you have set the debug switch, um, which we get or come by later, I guess. Okay. But um, everything is transferred with RFC, and so it's yeah, compressed and and mm. uh, it's better than just transferring some files. Of okay. course. Yeah. But that's the input that you provide. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So, but you're not transferred. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Never thought about that in detail. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that is the technical side of the setup. So now we know already how to call the optimizer. What else would I need to to start the monster? Well, if you want to start uh, your first optimization, <laughs> you need, of course, some master data. Mm -hmm. You need uh, at least two locations, a source location and a destination location. You want to ship a freight unit from the source location to the destination location. Mm -hmm. And then you need some kind of uh, geography between these two locations. Typically, it would be a lane and um, a related means of transport. Maybe I can plug here the uh, two TMP six or something. The geography uh, episode. So if you don't understand what a lane is, please uh, play back or <laughs> rewind to episode. Yeah, the geography episode. Okay. So you need mm -hmm. that lane which mm -hmm. uh, goes from the source location to the destination location, and you need uh, a related means of transport and and uh, an explicit vehicle, a resource vehicle, uh, like a, a truck, something like that, with a certain kind of capacity. The freight unit uh, is a capacity requirement. It requires 
1,000 kilograms, for example, and the truck has a certain capacity supply, 40,000 kilograms, so I can put that freight unit on that truck. And then I can ship the freight unit from source to destination using this truck on that lane. And in order to enable the optimizer to find this solution, to create this freight order for that freight unit, you have to collect all these master data and all this transactional data. So the locations, the lane, the vehicle, and the freight unit, collect all these data, pass it through this RFC channel to the engine. Then the engine runs, calculates or optimizes the result and returns it back through the RFC engine uh, channel. Simple. Back to the application. <laughs> so this would be your first optimization scenario. Okay, how would I, so we already explained, so we would need a freight unit, we need some geography, we need some vehicles representing the trucks as a as an input, but how do we also need something, or I think we need something <laughs> to define, okay, I want to select this truck and not the one from my colleague, and I want to select this freight unit and not the one from last month. Uh, maybe, Holger, do you want to add something on, on how to define the scope of that uh, well, optimization? The question is from where do we start the optimizer? And there we have a, a central UI for planning. It's called the planning cockpit or transportation cockpit. And when you enter the cockpit, the first thing you see is a selection screen. So there can, you can say you want to see all freight units that leave from a certain location. Or you can say, yeah, depends. make a selection via uh, time, via geography, uh, mode of transport, uh, maybe you want to only use ocean bookings, etc. Um, you can make a direct selection or you can use uh, planning profiles, selection profiles, where you can define uh, a specific set of, of selections. Then when you enter the cockpit, you can then from there you have um, yeah, you can start all planning uh, functionality that there is. So for the optimizer, you would either manually select some freight units that you want to plan and the resources that you want to use, and then say you want to plan the selected uh, entries, or you could also say you want to plan everything that you have selected. And when you do that, then in the background there is a planning strategy that is started. So planning strategy uh, was a different ah, podcast. Um, <laughs> process <laughs> controller. Probably yeah. have seen, yeah, the process controller. So the strategy would then uh, do several things. The first one would be the pre-processing, and there the system would collect all data according to your selection. So um, it would read the locations, the freight unit data, and so on. Um, it would also log the data for the planning run. So nobody else could interfere with the data while you are optimizing them. Um, so that would be the first step. It would also determine the costs. So you can also uh, define cost profiles and define the costs, the virtual cost for your um, yeah, for penalties for using specific resources and so on. Also incompatibilities. Maybe we can go into that yeah, later. We still have time. You define the planning horizon, so maybe you say you want only to optimize for the for the next few days. You also define a max runtime in one of these uh, profiles, the maximum time you want to wait. As said earlier, the, the longer the time, probably the better the solution is. Um, yeah, that would be the first thing, and then this data is handed over uh, via an RFC call 
to the yeah, RCCF framework. That, that, that first step is something that typically is called then pre-processing in our... It's pre-processing, there's a specific strategy step that's also called pre-processing. If you, uh, you can even uh, modify it with your own uh, strategy for pre-processing or own method. That's also Why enhance it? Enhance it, probably better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and all these um, yeah, master data and transactional data that you want to be, uh, you want to have optimized is then passed to the RCCF engine. That's the, uh, yeah, the main step. And after the best solution is uh, yeah, calculated, optimized, but, uh, optimized um, and, and feasible. Oh, then, the, yeah, then when the result uh, comes back, then there's another method. That's the post-processing method. That is um, reading the uh, result that came from the optimizer and is then um, posting the result uh, on the business objects. So there would be freight unit stops, uh, so additional sta stages um, that the optimizer may have created when it used the, um, the hubs. Um, also maybe new bookings that were created, new freight orders, and so on. So that's the result of the optimizer, basically new freight unit stages, bookings, freight orders. Um, and that needs to be posted then uh, by the application. That's um, then done by the post-processing, and that is the end of the strategy, more or less. So then the data is there. You can see it in the cockpit. You can even manually make changes to the result. Um, and then when you're uh, fine with it, you can save it then from the from the cockpit, a separate step. Okay. So sounds like besides the master data or setup that we defined before, I need some profiles where we can, or we will deep dive into that set up uh, a bit later. And then uh, optimize the strategy, what are the steps to be performed? And that, and I think one example where why would I have different strategies is if I want to run that carrot selection that we briefly touched before, that could be or is a different strategy compared to the um, normal uh, selection, right? So each engine um, needs different input data. So we have uh, for each engine we have different strategy with different uh, methods for pre-processing, post-processing. And we even have one um, strategy that does um, VSR optimizing and carrier selection uh, in one step. Uh, technically, it's two steps, but it's called one step <laughs> because it's, uh, from the it's only one call from the outside, it's only one call. So both engines are then called one after the other. And then the result that you come get back is uh, optimized freight orders and bookings and already the, the best carrier is assigned to it. Okay. So that is already um, the the end-to-end -end process uh, for, for the optimizer technically, right? As we talked about uh, before about the weekend, so if I want to have that big run at the weekend, do I have to hire somebody sitting in front of the cockpit pressing the button and wait for the two hours, or are there That's other options as one well? One option, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other would be to, uh, to schedule a background job that does the optimization just in the time you want it to run. Um, there's a report um, that you can schedule them. Yeah. Okay, but it, it would perform the same steps, but without somebody sitting there, right? It would perform the same steps. Um, the requirement would then be that you have profiles. Uh, of course, it's an implicit uh, selection. 
in the cockpit you can manually select what you want, but there you would just use the, the profiles. Then. Everything that falls into that range of the profiles, the selected by the profiles, would then be so that makes sense then also to restrict it to the folk, to the stuff that I really want to optimize coming back to what we discussed earlier, right? So if I select too much or more than I actually need to optimize, that makes a problem then even. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, I recall <laughs> the same thing. Hmm. Yeah. The uh, um, maybe after we went through that end-to-end -end process um, globally, so from, from an application perspective. Maybe also uh, we can also touch the what happens inside the Optimize. First, it was just so far an RFC call. Uh, or since, since it takes half an hour, an hour, I think there's something, there must be something happening inside that uh, RFC call. So maybe, yeah. maybe you can just, you, you know, you, you, can, get you the, can give a short overview of what's going on in the Optimizer. You First, get as already said, you know, the Optimizer, engine receives all the input data, all the master data, the transactional data, all other parameters like runtime, uh, blending horizon, and whatever. And it's creating with this data an internal model and first does some reduction in the model. So it analyzes uh, which of the means of transport really can be used. Perhaps some means of transport fall into the selection, but uh, aren't um, usable for the freight units because of perhaps uh, incompatibilities, some lanes missing or some uh, other restrictions uh, on the data. So um, some some of the past inputs data just were reduced and filtered out. And so uh, possible more or less uh, infeasible solutions are directly um, <coughs> eliminated out of the problem. And then with the uh, created uh, internal uh, model, the, the optimization uh, starts. So we first have to uh, create an initial solution. So a solution where at first everything is planned. And for this, we have some heuristics which try to, um, to fill all the freight units onto some um, of the resources parts. So it may be some vehicles, as we already heard, uh, we could have, or some, some other resources like trailers. We could have schedules, bookings, uh, ships, planes whatever there's available as a resource, as capacity for the freight units. Um, also in this uh, step of the, of the optimization, we uh, not uh, just uh, put it on any of the resources, but we try to find uh, the best fitting one on the current situation. But uh, as said before, it's just a heuristic, so um, we only get an um, initial solution where hopefully everything is planned what is possible. It may happen that we have uh, not enough capacity or the, the plan is not good enough to um, fill in all the freight units, but then um, the, we can try to optimize this later. And this is uh, the next step after creating this initial feasible solution. Um, we try to improve this solution. So we, we check, can, are there some freight units which may, uh, should be combined to a consolidated uh, shipment or we, we try to check if there are, uh, especially if there are hubs involved, we can try to figure out, are there any uh, main backbone lanes uh, which can consolidate most of the stuff trans, uh, transferred to um, to not use, let's say, uh, 20 small trucks, but uh, one big truck to have a full truck load, or even to use perhaps a ocean vessel instead of some uh, planes. And then we uh, try to uh, improve the solution 
we try to um, fill in all the freight units which aren't uh, already planned and we do also some other steps to um, not only have uh, the stuff uh, put into a truck but also to improve the route of the truck uh, to really have the shortest distance for all the um, locations in one uh, in one trade order mm. and we try to find uh, some good fitting uh, dates and times for the freight units to consider um, the requested dates uh, for the freight units and not to have some penalties for early or late delivery. Is that all in one step when you improve or would you first to look for date times and then or how is that? You know, in, internally we have, we have uh, many different operators uh, considering the different aspects of the solution, the, the assignment of freight units to resources. We have uh, some operators which uh, improve the routing for some vehicles. We have operators which uh, do the scheduling stuff to uh, shift some tours uh, forward or backward. Operators in, uh, are in, like uh, some coding. small steps uh, modifying the solution. And all the steps mm -hmm. are done once after each other and uh, just uh, until the time is over. So we, we not do uh, one step improving the assignment and the routing and then uh, finish but mm -hmm. we do that uh, several times uh, we, we uh, most time improve the solution to find a better solution if it's possible but uh, sometimes it may happen since it's a heuristic that we find uh, some let's say local optimal solution uh, which can't be improved there and then we have to do some uh, further changes to that say okay um, don't use this kind of truck uh, or this uh, specific uh, transshipment location, but uh, we make some uh, larger changes to uh, get a different solution using maybe some other resources, some other transshipment locations, some completely different um, uh, consolidation uh, for the freight units. And uh, such a step may uh, reduce the quality of such solution, but uh, with this different solution, we Uh, we continue to improve it and hopefully find a better solution from a cost perspective than the other solutions before. And this uh, small steps, doing some small modifications to the solution, we continue until uh, the time is over. And okay, so you do, you have your initial initial solution, then you kind of try to improve it bit step by step, yes. and then if you have the feeling or calculation result that you cannot uh, improve with small changes, then you would make a significant change and, yes. for example, change the mode of transport or something to also to uh, yeah to, to search as much solutions as possible, but always in a right place, right? So you mentioned yes. local optimums or optimal... Yes, uh, most, most of the steps are, since we are not an exact algorithm, mm -hmm. we have some kind of local search. We We try out different alternatives, uh, starting with this, uh, with a given solution. We, uh, uh, especially in the routing optimization, we try to change uh, the positions of uh, two stops in the mm -hmm. sequence. And there are many of these possibilities. And we, uh, we just uh, enumerate uh, several of them and then select uh, the best ones. And mm -hmm. mostly all of our um, changing operators Uh, work in this mode. We, we enumerate some different uh, possible solutions which, with some small changes mm. and select uh, the best one of. To take an this. example, so I would start with 10 freight units going from A to eight different locations. Then you would first build your initial solution, for example, one freight order per freight unit if you have enough resources or... Yes, uh, okay. this, this may be maybe an mm -hmm. option, especially if you're uh, 
uh, if you have some some let's say small and fast trucks and yeah. uh, then it would be uh, for each of this factory it would be the best uh, thing to to use this uh, small truck mm. then it's but the other option would be to just uh, consolidate them to a, um, a multi-stop uh, shipment and this is later um, Respected that we just uh, change the resource, put all the other freight units uh, to this uh, multi-stop shipment and mm -hmm. uh, um, calculate the cost. And if it's a better solution, especially if you have uh, then get some more or less uh, full truck load, then it uh, could be a better solution. And we uh, and then maybe you would take that multi-stop shipment equals freight order, right? Multi-stop yep. freight order, and then try with that, change the sequence, and if you find out, okay, I'm in a that end, I can't improve mm -hmm. that one. You would instead, for example, create two uh, separate freight orders and then try what you can achieve with that two separate freight yes. orders instead of the one you had before or the three you had before. Exactly. That, okay. Especially if there are sometimes different dates, it it may be possible to do it in with one shipment, but then you have uh, some freight units which are much too early or uh, too late mm. to be delivered. Then it would be perhaps a good idea to use uh, several um, freight orders to uh, ship them, even though the the real transportation cost itself, from a fuel cost point of view, are higher. But then you won't have uh, some penalties for um, earliness or lateness. Mm. So we we do some uh, lots of small changes, evaluate the solution with our internal cost, and uh, always remember the best solution found so far. So mm. it's not the the final solution. It's not the solution we had at the end. Mm. But uh, we, we always uh, consider if, if it's a new best solution we, we found, we remember them. And then later on, uh, at, at the end, when, when the time is uh, finished, we return the best solution, as said before, we found mm. uh, during our optimization steps. And we, got, we make uh, lots of um, uh, steps uh, inside mm. the optimization. We uh, calculate and uh, evaluate uh, thousands or millions of uh, different solutions during um, so op some optimization run, depending on the runtime and the complexity of the okay. such run. And Is this a deterministic process overall? Um, we internally have some kind of uh, random number generation, but it's uh, uh, it's deterministic. So if you, in, in this sense that if you start with the same data and the same uh, starting point, we can... Um, Uh, rerun exactly the same thing. It's especially important if you want to debug that. So if uh, <laughs> some kind of problem exists, then we can uh, redo this run. But usually mm -hmm. if, if the data changes uh, slightly, then it's uh, not, uh, then it Pro gives a different, or if you have the same data, but have a different uh, random number, starting random number, so we would even have some different results. So that's also a thing if we Uh, have to have some uh, high volume things so we can also do some kind of parallel processing to just uh, not use only one CPU mm. for this, but we could use uh, several CPUs. So mm. we just uh, would internally start uh, several of uh, threads uh, which uh, considers uh, in parallel the solution. They, they start with the same solution, but uh, the first one goes in one direction uh, because of the mm. random number which selects which uh, Change uh, will be done, and another um, uh, thread will have an, a different uh, starting point and will start in another direction, so that we can uh, process more solutions in the same time. 
Okay. But so then, if you have yeah two uh, cores uh, that you can use, you would create two of the initial solutions that you mentioned and start from there with that yes. optimization you, and make it very different that starting solution to to avoid that you always that you consider the same thing on the two. Yes. Uh, okay. If I have eight, then I have eight solutions, and if I have one hundred, then still. you would have one hundred if you have a. <laughs> Well, it's important. It's important to know that uh, it does not um, scale with your CPU with the number of CPUs. Mm. Um, you have to have a configuration set up so you can define yourself how many CPUs or how many cores you want to use. Mm. So it's not like if you have four cores, then it will utilize all four. Mm. By default, if if your optimization profile says use one in parallel, mm. then only one core is used. Okay, two, yeah. Maybe we should uh, mention also that it's not uh, that the solution will not be as good as many cores you are using because so it's, um, it's not if I have uh, one hour runtime with one core I can't bring it down to one minute with sixty cores. Yes. No, yeah. yes. the the number of solutions we would consider is more or less um, linear with the number of CPUs we lose uh, we mm. use, but. <laughs> But uh, it's not uh, the, the runtime behavior itself. So uh, if you if you double the number of CPUs, you can't. Uh, uh, you usually don't find the same solution in half of the runtime, mm. because uh, as I said before, we have uh, several uh, threads uh, searching in the complete uh, search space, and it's not uh, mm. that they work on the same solution and just have to. Split up the computations for one solution to the several cores, but we have uh, several of those uh, search uh, threads uh, which work in parallel and hopefully find better solutions since uh, we can uh, consider um, more solutions in general. Mm. But it, as I said, it's uh, not linear. Okay. Maybe for those uh, uh, of us or of, of the listeners that uh, listen to their um, OR uh, um, sessions better than I did uh, in their studies, Uh, is there something to describe that formally a bit what you do? So what kind of, or is it similar to, I don't know, like, um, yes, I already heard it's not a linear optimization thing, so. Traveling salesman problem, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, a problem, but the solution. Traveling, traveling salesman <laughs> problem is one of our sub-problems. It's uh, when we uh, do the routing uh, optimization of a one trade unit. It's a abstraction of the general vehicle routing problem with uh, lots of uh, additional constraints. And from a um, algorithm point of view, it's uh, some combination of uh, um, local search strategies with some uh, to taboo search uh, inside. Uh, some uh, we use some uh, techniques from uh, evolutionary algorithm uh, sites and so on. It's uh, more or less best of uh, the meta heuristic stuff, uh, which is available in the uh, in the outside world. We we combine to uh, try to solve our problem. Okay, I think there are also regular benchmarks, right, where different optimizer engines are running against each other. Yes, but this is only for the more or less academic uh, traveling salesman problem stuff or so. Oh. We, we also can uh, hmm. optimize those scenarios, but this, uh, uh, but the scenarios we have are, have much more uh, constraints in it and much more uh, features uh, to be considered. So it's a completely different strategy. Okay, that's maybe a good Uh, <laughs> hand over to uh, constraints. You mentioned we have two things. Uh, we have a lot of constraints to be considered, 
And we always talked about our best or cheapest planning cost solution. Maybe we can at least high level talk about the different things that influence the cost on the one hand side and what are the constraints that we have uh, uh, on, on the other side. Maybe should we start with the cost or with the constraints? Or Yeah, maybe I can start with the cost. Um, mm. We have, uh, first of all, uh, fixed costs. Um, which uh, are used for a transportation resource. So if you use uh, the resource uh, for a freight order, then that cost uh, will occur. Um, that is once I use that resource within the planning or once I use it for a freight order, if I have two freight orders for the same resource? It's normally for per, per freight order. Okay. So for each freight order, you have to pay these costs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, if you want to make the costs good uh, or yeah, that you uh, get good solutions, um, you should uh, make the cost uh, cheaper for smaller trucks and for uh, bigger trucks. Uh, they should be a little bit well, How would I higher. define it? That smaller truck, bigger truck, that is uh, where is that defined, uh, uh, the costs for the different sizes of trucks? And how would I define it? Is it maybe in the, uh, in the optimization <laughs> cost profile per means of transport? <laughs> you already said it. Yes. Uh, okay, yes. so that generally then talking about costs. Yeah, so it's, I mean, the maintenance of costs is for one thing, you maintain it in the cost profile, depending on means of transport there, or you can also use some defaults. Then you also have costs in the, in the lanes, the lane master data. And, um, yeah, okay. okay, so, but it's per means of transport. So if I have 10 trucks, which are the same size, they have the same, or not only the size, but things like refrigerated or not. So different price drivers, then I would have different means of transport and maintain the costs, fixed costs, fixed for example, costs. for that. Okay. So as Holger already mentioned, we have also uh, travel dependent costs. Um, yeah, maybe per distance or per duration, so that you can uh, optimize uh, the routing of a freight order. Per distance, um, the, or the distance. Like, like a per mile rate or? Rate, so, and we so. don't have any rates. Yeah, but to compare yeah. it to real world, uh, it's something if I yeah. pay per mile, per mile, a dollar, then... Also yeah. per unit if you want, so quarterly dependent. Okay, that's that's another one then again, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you can only have costs per uh, unit of measurement you have loaded, maybe for the weight. Mm. Um, so if your freight order has a weight of, I don't know, one ton, uh, then um, yeah, the costs uh, will be for the tons or for ton per kilometer. You can have it also. They already mentioned so. duration, right? So per time unit? Yeah. Is that only when driving or how is that then calculated? It's uh, for the whole freight order, from the start of the freight order until the end of the freight order or, yeah, yeah. it's per tour, uh, per freight order. Yeah. Okay, so I could use that one then to reduce it to avoid unnecessary waiting times, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, and that, that's kind of a good segue into 
the real cost versus the notional cost. So the, the, the cost that we've talked about so far, you get the fixed cost per means of transport, two different distance costs, right? One that you can specify on the planning profile itself, which is kind of global. And then from the lane is, is another dimension. Yeah. And then the duration costs, <clears throat> when we talk about quantity costs, which can be defined on the lane, typically truckload rating is per distance. And then the smaller, like the LTL is quantity based, but the LTL is much more complicated in terms of break weight rating and yeah, all kinds of complexities there. And there we have the DSO cost. So direct shipping option would be used to model your parcel cost, your LTL cost, because there you would never do consolidation. So we calculate the real cost already on the, the freight unit. So typically in practice, at least if we're doing truckload LTL type optimization, we don't use any quantity cost, not relevant. In fact, we don't even, you don't even put the LTL means of transports in the, in the profile, right? Because with, with the DSO costs, the cost is fed into the optimizer. And if that freight, if we don't find a cheaper option, consolidation option for that freight unit, then it remains unplanned. Right. And un, or unplanned means remains LTL. So I mean, still, you still have a plan, right? Exactly. So it a, remains unplanned in the sense mm -hmm. that, yeah, if we have still have some time, mm -hmm. it would go into the next optimization where we have more orders, mm -hmm. more consolidation opportunities. And then at some point, if we do need to ship an LTL or parcel, then we convert that freight unit directly into either an LTL freight order or yeah, parcel, Possibly. slightly different uh, process. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the duration cost, for example, we would keep, because it's not a real cost, mm. we keep that as small as possible. Same with penalty costs, for example, for early and late pickup and delivery. Those costs we keep as tiny as possible so that they don't get mixed up or influence the, the real cost mm. calculation. Okay. For that distance uh, cost that you mentioned, I think there are also two options, right? Because I, if I have a multi-stop freight order, I might have different costs maintained on the different lanes. Maybe can we explain a bit on that? So, yeah, yeah there's, two, there's, <laughs> there's two options on the planning profile yeah. where per means of transport, you can define what's called route-based distance cost calculation or destination-based distance cost mm. calculation. So it's it's common in, in Europe where we, we look at each transportation lane, so from shipping point to customer A or the zone of customer A, take the distance time the cost, mm. and then from customer A to customer B, we look at that lane, and we take the cost times the distance on that lane and each, each stop. In North America, the, that's where we use the destination-based. So there the calculation is we look at the lane from the origin to the final destination. So if we're going from shipping point to customers A, B, and C, mm. we would look at the lane from, from the origin zone to the zone of customer C, mm. take the distance cost there times the entire distance from shipping point to A, A to B, and B to C, and one total calculation. And so in that sense, or with that, that cost, it can be cheaper to have a longer run if the final location is in a cheap zone. Exactly. Okay. So that's why it's very important to, to distinguish that. Huh? Okay. 
Sorry, mentioned that earliness uh, delay. So you can also define penalty costs for delivering early or pickup early? For both. We have for uh, cost for the pickup side and the delivery side. You don't need to maintain all of the costs, but if you say, okay, it's, it's relevant to have it, let's say, uh, as a producer um, shipped from, from your yard to have a place for another stuff uh, just building, then you can use some kind of um, pickup cost for, for loading, mm -hmm. but you can also do it uh, from what is the usual case uh, for the um, delivery side. So if um, you ship something to a customer and he says, okay, I want to have it uh, next Friday, then this is a requested delivery date. You can say, okay, uh, if, you, if it's on Friday, then it's uh, for free. But if you uh, can't uh, ship it for Friday, but we are there first uh, Monday after, then it's say, okay, it's it's okay, but it uh, would cost you. So you perhaps say, okay, um, I'll do some different routing to uh, have this on time, but uh, consider some uh, more miles to um, to mm -hmm. go there to to have it on time and. Okay. So you have kind of like a comfort zone for that pickup yep. or delivery. Where for, you say, for those, okay, you have in that day. That's okay. I think that is the requested time. That's, that's yep. This this time window you can you can define the time window where mm -hmm. it's uh, for free to deliver it or to uh, to load it. Then you have a um, another for free for the optimizer, right? For free for the optimizer, <laughs> yes. not for the customer. <laughs> yeah. for, so no no additional penalty cost. And then you have a uh, the, the outside this. Uh, free zone, you have uh, the area where it costs either for being early or for being late. Mm -hmm. And then you can, uh, but you can also restrict it to have some kind of, but you can say uh, you can deliver it earlier, but not more than two days mm -hmm. or not more than three days late. So we also can have some hard constraints and between mm -hmm. the soft and uh, hard time, you know, there we do have some uh, linear penalty cost, okay. which can be maintained. Uh, this can be maintained either Uh, defaulting for all freight units on the cost profile, or one can have some determinations which uh, uh, mm. which they can uh, be on any kind of uh, location based or freight unit based or uh, mm. any of the stuff this, to set up this uh, okay. this windows and the penalty costs. Okay, I think we can refer here to the freight unit and the date and time mm -hmm. uh, episode where I think we talked about a pick up delivery poodle. Uh, uh, time time windows. I think where we so where one who wants to learn about more about the tour times, maybe we can. Then everything is clear time. about our times. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about times. Maybe there's also time we already talked about the time related cost. Is there a more cost terms? Something you forgot? Yeah, we have uh, regarding the the freight order cost. Uh, we can have a cost for the stop-offs of some freight order to, let's say, restrict mm. it um, to to not have mm. uh, too long uh, from the number of uh, mm. stops uh, um, freight order. Mm. Okay. And uh, we have additionally some kind of penalty cost for non-delivering uh, some freight units. So especially mm. if you have a limited uh, capacity uh, to transport your freight units, uh, it uh, may happen that some freight units uh, remain unplanned and then you can maintain some uh, cost uh, which uh, could force optimizers to select which of the freight units are more relevant for uh, for delivering or which are not as relevant 
and uh, either to to say the optimizer you just uh, should plan this freight unit because uh, if you if you go with some freight uh, order somewhere you usually have some transportation cost be it uh, lane based destination based or whatever and uh, not performing the freight unit without having penalty cost would be cheaper because then you don't need the transportation so it's better and so to uh, just plan every freight unit there should be some uh, penalty cost for non-delivering, which uh, also can be maintained on the cost profile. And then to have like a priority between the different freight units, my customer, uh, service level one uh, freight yes. unit is preferred against my STO, uh, with, yeah, which is not a, yep. And if I remember right, there's one more term, right? That load cost function. <coughs> Uh, thing? Should we mention yeah. it or? <laughs> <laughs> I think you just mentioned it. <laughs> so it's it's a possibility to to try to to try to fill up some uh, resources uh, uh, to um, uh, as, as much as possible to say we won't uh, want to uh, ship out a freight mm -hmm. order with uh, less than fifty percent capacity or seventy percent capacity. And uh, if uh, optimizer builds up a freight order uh, below a, mm. a different level, then then we would have some penalty cost for this, such that the optimizer um, would uh, try to fill up this freight order with more freight units to uh, mm. have a more or less a full truck load. So basically, you define a penalty for not using up the space of a truck, right? Yes, so but it, kind of, it, it also can be maintained uh, you say, okay, I don't want to have it uh, filled up more than 50% because then uh, we have to pay a whatever, more uh, uh, toll on, the, on roads or whatever. Mm. So it's a free maintainable function. Okay, but the, the purpose of that is that you avoid and then sometimes maybe even not ship if the truck is too... No, it's not filled up enough. So to avoid a truck to level of 80%, you can also use it, right? Or below 80%. So. Yep. Okay. Good. But that's it with the costs, right? If you remember some, oh. we can cut them in some later. Some very special terms like modus costs, where I think. Yeah, that's a deep dive <laughs> session there. For okay. That's already a lot of uh, costs. Uh, you also talked about constraints before. So what are the constraints that you would consider while finding the, sorry, optimizing the best uh, solution in the given time? So what, what else do we consider? Oh, first, the first, we can have some cost, uh, uh, some, some constraints uh, similar to the cost. So uh, we already always mentioned uh, the duration cost or um, some distance based cost, uh, however, or mm -hmm. stop offs. So we could uh, define some limits on, on let's say, the transportation time of a freight order, which could say uh, you can build a freight order, but only if it's uh, not longer than one day. Or you can limit uh, the freight order to not travel more than uh, 300 miles or to not have more than uh, five uh, stop-offs. So we have maybe some maybe kind of limits. Maybe one thing about if you talk about times and then... Distances, maybe it's, since you mentioned it here, maybe it's good to know if you look into the technical uh, infrastructure that the optimizer always, always works with seconds and kilometers, right? Yes, so but that, but this is just um, mm. uh, conversion stuff. You can maintain it uh, in the cost profile settings there. You can maintain those limits, and I think they they can be maintained with. 
yeah, yeah, you can make that. But if, you, if you go into the files, you not necessarily okay, yes. find your values one to one because internally it's always yep. uh, kilometers and, and seconds, right? Just yeah, to correct mention that. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Good. That, so you mentioned we have that maximum number of stops, maximum, numbers, so maximum duration, yes, maximum distance. We, we already uh, had this uh, dates for freight units okay. with a yep. different podcast. Yeah. Um, At same times. Yeah. We uh, have uh, incompatibilities, uh, meaning you must not uh, put freight units of type cats into the same truck uh, where you already have freight units of type dogs. At least so. to say alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and there are many, many um, additional incompatibilities. Not only freight unit, freight unit on a truck, but also, uh, I guess, truck on location and uh, many, many more uh, can't remember. It's freight unit, freight unit in the same compartment. So you cats yeah. and dogs yeah. on the same truck, but in different parts of it, I think. Yeah. Then it's yeah, what else do we have? Incompatibilities it's between freight units and resource. trucks, between freight units and compartments, especially if you have some, some kind of uh, frozen stuff and non-frozen stuff to transport. Mm. Uh, yeah, all kind of means of transport combination and location. So ah, means of, of transport combination with a separate uh, topic and truck trailer planning separately. Yeah, maybe you're mentioning it at least so we can also yes. do a truck trailer planning really with, with road trains where you really assign freight units to trailers and then recouple uh, uh, the trailers to different resources. I think we haven't touched that so far, so maybe it's at least mentioning. Okay. What else? We also have time constraints. We already mentioned the freight unit ones. I think there's also... We have uh, capacity. We already mentioned capacity. Yeah, maybe capacity. We always talked about mass. Is it? Uh, yeah. Is it only mass? Is it alternatively volume? Is it additionally volume? You can have many dimensions of capacity. You could have on one truck a uh, capacity mm -hmm. supply of mass and volume, mm -hmm. and then you have a freight unit with a certain weight and a certain volume, and uh, both of these dimensions have to fit. Otherwise, you cannot put that freight unit on that truck. So you always check it. All dimensions. All dimensions are being checked, and, and you can. As far as I know, you can even invent your own dimensions. Yeah. But but yeah, usually once weight, weight, volume, number of pellets uh, mm -hmm. is some something we pellet footprints. Okay, then the calculation comes into play. We don't have a complete VSO engine in place yet. Uh, you never know. Um, the okay. So if you have multiple dimensions. Then we consider all of them. And also on different levels. So if I have like a truck with a certain capacity, yes. with compartments with lower. With different capacities, then we consider on every dimension. We con can consider it for complete uh, vehicle combinations, truck and trailer, hmm. with a total uh, mass or volume, whatever. Okay, then talking about coming back to times, I think you mentioned the planning horizon. What is that? And why would I have it? For the planning horizon, uh, is a restriction for optimizer, uh, where the freight orders can be planned to. So if you say you have a planning horizon only for one day, and all the freight orders must fit into this one day and cannot start earlier or and later. It would have to avoid that I create freight orders in the past, for example, or? Um, normally you, you cannot do it, but there's also a setting where you can say exceptionally you also mm. want to plan in the past for, for one optimizer one. But the idea is to have some additional time because normally the truck cannot leave the next second, but you would need some extra. Well, you can have an offset. So you say, um, 
yeah, I want to plan for beginning tomorrow for, for one week or so. Then talking about times, do we, since you already mentioned the freight needs to be delivered on certain days, do we also have consideration of opening time to the customer and, and handling capacity as a customer? This is correct. We have, uh -huh. uh, we can, at the customer side as well as the on the source side, mm -hmm. you can have uh, opening hours, uh, which say, okay, it's, uh, you can just, uh, load or unload, uh, during the day and not during the night. You can have, uh, limits on the capacity like, uh, docks, uh, to mm -hmm. load or unload the mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, which, uh, with a capacity and a calendar there when, when they are open and, uh, coming to calendars, uh, also the resources itself, uh, can have some, uh, some kind of working calendar. So it's, uh, usually forbidden to drive with uh, large trucks on the weekends and sometimes during the night. This can be some calendar on the resource side mm -hmm. for vehicles and, um, also, uh, for the drivers itself, we have some kind of, um, Driving time restrictions uh, we can consider, which would say, okay, after a certain amount of uh, driving and or working, mm -hmm. you have to uh, do um, have a certain amount of uh, break uh, until you continue with uh, driving, working or whatever. And that kind of relates to the uh, yeah, driving time regulations for, yes. for drivers. Right? It, it's so not the complete driving time regulation you have in mm. the US or in the mm. EU, but uh, some uh, some things which uh, come closer to them and you can uh, define your own uh, rules, uh, which the optimizer should consider. Okay. And most calendars can also be uh, means of transport specific. Ah, okay. So, so we have customers that have packaged in bulk Mm. Different receiving hours or frozen or refrigerated. Yeah. Okay. More things we consider in the optimizer and didn't mention so far? But it sounds pretty uh, you, you can have some restrictions uh, directly in the freight unit uh, stages to say, okay, I want to yeah. use some uh, okay. specific uh, mode of transport, means of transport for mm -hmm. freight. Freight unit uh, itself to say, okay, it's uh, some, it's a ocean freight unit or it's something to, it has to go with, uh, with the air shipment for the complete freight unit. You can restrict uh, for it for several stages. You can say for the, the ocean stuff, perhaps, okay, I want to have a specific vessel or flight number for airline uh, stuff and restrict it there. Okay. Remember, there's also a single order flag, right? That you can also define. But only within one compartment, only one order? Yeah, for compartments be, to have it. To make sure that, I think that was for oil, right? That you, because you cannot. Uh, yeah, so the oil substance is more or less the incompatibility between freight units in the same compartment. Mm -hmm. What is more, it was uh, for when, when splitting up uh, freight units to uh, allow better consolidation or splitting it up to several trucks that we uh, can combine it uh, for better and to, to see only fill in with the same same compartment same same original uh, stuff that for oil where you don't have a meter yes there you're right okay, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would also mentioned a very important uh, definitely the North American market is this hidden parameter of maximum wait time Otherwise, we can build loads where the truck drives to customer A mm -hmm. and then sits there for some time and, and delivers to customer B the next day. Right. Uh, yep. Minimum and there's maximum and minimum, right? For, for that? There's just a maximum. No, it, it's a maximum. This is a just really, uh, a maximum time where, where 
vehicle resource uh, may stay at the at some customer. What you mean with minimum maximum is when using transshipment location, yeah. so to uh, that you have a hub in in between where you uh, uh, unload the stuff from the uh, first uh, vehicle and uh, do the second stage with another mode of transport, means of transport or whatever to say, okay, uh, at this hub, uh, the stuff uh, must not uh, be placed more than uh, three days to uh, just um, have your uh, yard free afterwards. But you also can have some kind of minimum. It's uh, mostly when, when having some, some kind of customs between uh, for, for ocean uh, stuff or whatever. Yes, so typically uh, if a truck arrives, you cannot immediately leave with the next truck. Yeah. It's some processing time there to get it from the one truck yep. to the vessel or whatever. Yeah, but what's the processing time itself? The, the loading and unloading. There yeah, we have also some oh, sometimes right. uh, which uh, which uh, would be needed. Uh, this <laughs> this I respect it. So you can't. Uh, you first have to unload it, and it may take uh, one hour if it's a yeah. large uh, amount of uh, stuff to unload. And after finishing it, then it uh, may be directly reloaded. But you also can have some, especially in the customs area. Uh, some some say okay. Um, we first do have some uh, administrative uh, stuff with this freight unit to check it or whatever, okay. and then uh, reload it to the for the next stage. Uh, yeah, loading time durations. I think it's also worth mentioning, right? Yeah, so this is uh, the loading mm -hmm. unloading time. Yeah, I think, but it's interesting and maybe sometimes confusing that loading and unloading duration. So how long does it take to load or unload that freight unit at a certain freight unit with a certain means of transport? Um, that is really per freight unit that means of transport and independent of the specific location, right? Can you maybe explain a bit on that? Why yeah, we, is that? We, we now have it also depending on the location or it can be maintained depending on the location, but we do not have some kind of a uh, stop uh, dependent time. So let's say, um, uh, uh, what, uh, not uh, depending on whatever you load or unload in this location, it always takes half an hour. Yeah. It's it's not in this uh, in this kind, but you can say uh, unloading freight unit A at location uh, or at hub A would take one hour, and on hub B it would take two hours. This is possible within the optimizer. Um, it also can be maintained uh, per means of transport and location. Wow, cool. Yes, but it's not flat per stop. But it's per freight unit. If I it, it's, it's always the loading and unloading. It's mm. always per freight unit, and not some mm. something. It only depends on location and uh, means of transport, mode of transport, or whatever. I think for that maybe it makes sense to calculate uh, that durations. And then since these durations are coming or can be defined with BF plus, maybe it's a good use case from a formal formula, uh, so that you say per mm. kilo or per pallet it takes that long instead of having okay for. One pallet, one minute, two pallets, two minutes. I mean, that's a use case for using conditions here. That is uh, TM Podcast episode two. So another <laughs> uh, plug here. Anything else that we should mention in terms of considerations by the optimizer? Maybe it's most likely it's only 80%, but uh, maybe already enough to, to give an impression on what is, why does it take more one than one second to find that best solution? Maybe that can lead us over to if it does not find uh, the best solution, what can I do? So if I don't find any solution, maybe is there kind of famous mistakes uh, that you always see over and over again and you don't want to see them anymore? So <laughs> can mention them, them here. So yeah, top three issues uh, that, that you see if there's no solution. 
Did, did we talk explanation tool and kind we of come to that later? Then how to to find about maybe first to to come there, <laughs> and maybe on you know what is a typical starter issue if you uh, if you optimize and you don't get a result. A typical issue is what we um, strictly speaking already mentioned is that some data has not been passed to the optimizer. So in the beginning you have to 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 set up your selection, mm -hmm. and if this selection is not complete, then uh, the optimizer will not get that information and cannot find a solution. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's always a good idea um, when you come into that situation to, mm -hmm. to check this explanation tool. There you find all the information which has been passed to the optimizer. And if some information is missing there, the optimizer cannot handle it. And the good thing is it's in a human readable format and even already converted from seconds, etc. right? I think that unlike the, in the old days, we had that RCCF log file, which is needs some training <laughs> to to read it, uh, and that one is already converted. So how would I access it? How would I get to that? Uh, mm -hmm. um, you can start from the RCC log file transaction, and from there, the button you get, uh, you switch into the explanation tool. Uh, yeah, for, for each run in the optimizer, you will have one entry, and there you see all the input data that was passed to the optimizer and the result that came back. As you said in the mm -hmm. application, I mean the, the file itself is very cryptical, technical, but here you see it in the same way you would see it in the application. So you see the freight units with stages and so on. Um, you can also see the we have some features there. You can see the locations on the map, so you have some plausibility check. And uh, I also see some additional messages that you don't see when you in the cockpit. So in the example that Thomas just gave, if, for example, a lane was not transferred to the optimizer, maybe because the validity um, was not anymore valid, and you usually get a message like, fraction cannot be delivered because no valid route. But then there you have all the data, um, like for the geography or the lanes. So you can check if the lane that you were, that's supposed to be used, if it's in the input or not. And then it's easier to find the, the root cause for for uh, not delivered freight units or yeah, if different means of transport was chosen or so. Um, is it is that file uh, that explanation always there or do we have to activate it somehow? There is a switch uh, user parameter SCM TMS EXP that you have to set to X and then this is uh, is written mm. and it's written on the database. It's uh, not directly. It's not a view of the input file, but separate data that are written to the database. And they are always written when you start your optimizer. It's not only when you save, but also if it's a test run, you will still have the explanation data. Um, sounds like a lot of data. Is there some housekeeping required for that? Or? There's a report that's uh, mentioned in the application. Application the, operation the, guide. Exactly. So there you find it. You have to schedule it, that, say, after uh, every few days, the, the old explanation data is, is uh, cleaned up. Okay. Good. Is there uh, some other mistakes that no lane? I think one is that stranded vehicle that you have a resource that went from A to B and there's no lane back. I think that is also one. That this is one of the common, uh, common problems that uh, you maintain your lanes in the direction you want to transport the freight units. But uh, usually a truck has to return back, let's say, to its home depot or 
wherever and uh, or to just uh, pick up uh, different uh, freight units to, to make another freight order. And also for this, uh, we would need some lanes. And so uh, it may happen that um, if those lanes are missing, uh, vehicle can can perform one freight order. And then it's, mm. uh, like you said, it's stranded somewhere and can't go back there. This is a uh, common problem. And the other common problems are missing uh, resources, missing uh, mm. locations, missing freight units sometimes uh, in, in the selection itself. Or missing transshipment locations. Or maybe too many constraints. Maybe your colleague has maintained some constraints <laughs> that you didn't know of. So the explanation to it, you will see them. Yeah. Yeah, this is another area of, of um, common mistakes, uh, to have constraints which contradict to each other or which do not fit together. Mm. A simple example would be I have maintained uh, freight unit uh, um, dates, uh, so I, the freight unit must be delivered uh, on Wednesday. And I have only bookings uh, which go, which start on Monday and, and finish on Friday. So it's impossible to deliver this freight unit because or location is closed on Wednesday. Or location mm -hmm. is closed on Wednesday. Okay. So these all all these many constraints we mentioned mm -hmm. often contradict to each other, and then you cannot find a solution. Or you find mm -hmm. solutions, but which are not the ones you expected. Mm -hmm. uh, you find more costly solutions, mm -hmm. um, but this is not what you expected. I think one yeah. thing is also if that the if I have a, like a planning horizon, which is only one day, but the travel time is two days, that then you also can do that, right? So that kind of stuff. Yes, and, and within this explanation tool, we give um, some sometimes some more detailed explanation of what is the reason for not delivering or for mm. whatever. Then we do it in the uh, transportation cockpit. There we we have some messages with uh, when we have. Uh, problems to deliver a freight unit when we filter it out at the beginning what I mentioned uh, earlier that we, that we reduce uh, the problem with uh, with this data we can't really uh, use so a freight unit which can't be delivered because of the, let's say the travel time which is uh, more than uh, available in the planning horizon then we filter it out we just say this freight unit can't be performed mm. Uh, on the planning cockpit as message and in the explanation tool we we give a detailed more detailed message uh, which says okay it's a problem with, uh, which comes from here it's a capacity problem or problem with the time or with the lanes or with incompatibilities or whatever okay then if you have if you're, if you're now in a situation you try to optimize you avoided all that obvious things that you just uh, talk about but still you don't get the expected results so how is our process then so what does a perfect message you would like to get if you want to like to get a message <laughs> so if you, have you need message, to call mike first so. <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> What is the best way of uh, we'll getting... We'll give Christoph's email address right after this. Yeah, Any problems? Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll mention it at the end. Yeah. Uh, so what, well, how do I get that problem uh, addressed? Because I think, as you said, the infrastructure is, is a bit different. So maybe the way I open a message might be different. Or I think way... we had a good example today yeah. where, yeah, if, if there's unexpected results mm -hmm. or, yeah, uh, and yeah, I feel like you need to create a message, then create the message, provide as much detail as possible and include the log file. So there's a way to, in the not in the explanation tool, but in the RCCF, there's a way to download the complete log file, which includes the input file, output file, uh, et cetera. And trace file. Right? A trace mm -hmm. file. 
um, and put that directly in the message. Make sure, of course, all the usual things, make sure that the connection is open, that user ID password is in the secure area. Um, all of those mm -hmm. things will dramatically uh, accelerate and the process. But so for, this, for this, as uh, mentioned in the beginning, um, usually this uh, writing down the, the real file with optimizer data mm -hmm. is not enabled. So um, if you have problems with the result, uh, first check, is there uh, such uh, input file, the real input file for the optimizer available? And if not, you have to activate it. There is um, within the application administration settings for the uh, RCCF, there is a possibility to enable it uh, to to write these uh, files uh, down to a uh, hard disk. And then if this is uh, done, then you can uh, download it and attach it to the mail. And But if you if you had a run where it was not uh, enabled, then you have to enable it and rerun mm -hmm. this uh, scenario such that, that the optimizer input data is uh, written. That in file and, you yes. it's not empty. I think it's, it's yes. always there, but sometimes empty, or how would no, I no, know it's, that? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not there. It's just not written. Okay. So make sure to enable it prior to a run. Yeah, if you hmm. if you know in advance that this one uh, won't uh, get the result you want to have, then you can enable it directly. But, but if you but if you uh, <laughs> unexpectedly uh, see oh my run has expect a result I, I don't want to have, then then check uh, if it was not enabled, enable it and rerun hmm. the optimization uh, to to have the data and then attach this data to the message. Uh, and maybe also describe. What is your expected result and, and yes, maybe also this why? Will, this why? would help a lot so that we can mm -hmm. uh, see in which direction we have to search uh, what has yeah. to be different. Yeah. So if we only have a result, we say, okay, it's, it's a result, but uh, yeah, yeah, we, we don't know what, what the user expects. And then we can see why it's, uh, and uh, why it's not expected, uh, why it's not uh, given if it's uh, not possible at all because of some mm -hmm. uh, strange uh, contradictory constraints we may have inside. Which are not obvious to see, or if it's some other problem. Okay. Maybe don't forget to disable in case it's a productive system because writing these files costs some runtime. Okay. Yeah, but um, I've heard a lot of customers who have um, who worry about um, messing up their hard disk space. There's also some housekeeping behind. Um, okay. So as long as you have um, planned our cleanup job, which also cleans up um, the Log transaction, the RCCF log transaction, where all the, as we heard, all the um, optimization uh, runs are locked in. Um, while we do that, we also delete those uh, trace and input files from the hard disks of the, the optimization server. Even if it's uh, an external box, it's also deleted from there. Okay. So, so you do not really need to worry. Of course, if you have set a uh, that you want to delete it um, after 100 days or something like that, then of course your your hard disk might get um, yeah, and full, it's, but... It's really anyway. deleted, it's not archived then, right? It's, it's deleted, yes. It's deleted in that case. Okay, so, so make sure you get your write in and out file, zip it from RCC or download the, everything uh, in, in the RCCF log, RCC log transaction, right? Yeah. And attach it and then describe the expected result and maybe also why, as we touched different ways of best solution before, would be important to know why is this your best solution and then and, and maybe then it's an easier thing to achieve. And I think one thing also worth mentioning, if you knew in that area and you have a complicated optimizer scenario, my the recommendation, we have some 
consultants uh, specialized in optimization as such, and then maybe to involve them on a spot basis is maybe a good idea and can save a lot of time and yeah, uh, also then money in production if you have a better result that can pay off pretty fast, I think. Yeah, I mean, one thing to, mm -hmm. to finish up the maintenance stuff, if, if you have very, the very rare case where you need a, uh, an optimization engine um, or a fix in the optimization mm -hmm. engine, you need a new engine, you go to our patches um, on the on the service marketplace, download the new executable. It's a pretty fast exchange of, of just the executables and um, you can go back and forth with the executables. You just copy the old ones to a backup directory. You put them back in because I already said that we are stateless. So it's it's uh, totally easy to do and it's it's also safe because you can put back on your old ones. And um, so, so it's pretty easy. And uh, one thing to note is that um, there's also a version screen in RCCF where you can look up the version of your um, optimization engines. And um, this screen also holds a build date. And this is very important for us um, because um, it's, if you download a new patch from the marketplace, it still has version 10, for example, but it comes with a new build date. So we know it's a newer version. Uh, we do not uh, distinguish by, by release number or stuff like that. Release number we do, but uh, while we are in a re release, we do not have a SP1 or SP2 or something like that, but we have a different build date. So um, if you are on 10.0 and you see a 10.0 on the marketplace, don't worry. Make sure that it's a newer build date and then you're good to go. How often do you build new um, We have a weekly patch so we have weekly updates on the marketplace um, it does not necessarily mean that there is a new fix in but um, it's an automatic process that we have an update each week um, so it's always good to to be up to date uh, in this area hmm. and um, there's also sometimes we we uh, from from release to release we sometimes think of um, removing one of the old releases so that we make our, for example, currently it's it's our 10.0 version of the STM optimizer, which, which is the current version, and it's out there for all TM releases we have. So in former days, for example, it it has been uh, STM optimizer release nine or something like that. We removed that, or we we outdated that and said that the optimizer 10.0 is is the current version and it does work with all older TM releases. And for the sake of history, I think that's the same engine more or less used also for TPVS. Uh, right, right. right. Yeah. Yes, yes. And there's nothing like a node for the optimizer, I would uh, conclude for that. So it's not that you can implement a node for, for nope. the optimizer. Yeah. You install a new version, that is a node. Yeah. If, yes. if there would be a fix necessary in the optimizer because mm -hmm. of errors or whatever, then you have to install a new fix, which usually come on the service marketplace on a Friday of a week. Mm -hmm. And then the fixes and sometimes some performance improvement, if we find something relevant, they are available within these fixes. Just replace executable and then mm -hmm. everything is done. This is because, of course, it's a totally different technical background. It's mm -hmm. not ABAP where we can do some patches and you can also do easy debugging on the customer side. This is because it's a C++ thing and you have to exchange the whole executable. That's why we cannot mm. like deliver a correction instruction or something like that. That also leads to uh, enhancing the optimizer. I think enhancing the optimizer 
core engine is only possible with custom development, right? The engine as such. So it's not yes. possible to yes. write your own user exit body, yes. opti, or I don't know what you call yes. it then. <laughs> it's uh, okay. There's no such thing as a body within the core optimizer engine. But there are tons of possibilities in the pre, pro, pre and maybe also post-processing. Maybe Mike, you <laughs> worked a lot in that area. Maybe drop some words on, on how would I, if I want to manipulate the costs in a way or so, yeah. on, on how would I do that? Yeah, optimization, pre-processing, uh, enhancement. Yeah, we've done many, many enhancements in there. Um, for the, for example, LTL pool point modeling that cost. We can uh, use DSO to calculate the pool point cost and then pass it into the optimizer as a as a mode cost. <clears throat> we talked earlier about the um, uh, maximum wait time. Mm-hmm. So that's a common one where we create a condition and then, uh, yeah automatically set the maximum wait time like for example our customer locations to you know one or two hours to to just hear the optimizer um, ftl cost it's another area where we can leverage the dso cost in the freight unit because um, what the freight unit does is it calculates all the different direct shipment options parcel ltl truck whatever lanes you have set up so since we have the full truckload actual cost in a freight unit we can leverage that and yeah divide that by the distance and pass that into the optimizer as the fully loaded distance cost which would include the, the base rates the fuel um, any other uh, charges and dynamically pass that into the optimizer rather than trying to maintain the distance costs on the lanes themselves so just some examples of some and where would i do is there a body there or yeah, yeah, there's a, a body for optimization pre-processing and post-processing. The pre-processing has access to all of the so standard pre-processing goes through and, and determines the lanes, the distances, uh, incompatibilities, uh, yeah, all of the things that we just talked about, all of the input, all of the tables that are then passed over to the optimizer. And at that point, you can manipulate any of those tables before it gets passed to the optimizer. But again, of course, it's defined. The input tables uh, which are available to the optimizer are defined. Those are the ones that are also passed in the. Um, and every information you can't uh, fill into one of those tables, you have you can't pass to the optimizer. So mm-hmm. in application, it would be possible to perhaps add some new nodes into a business, mm-hmm. uh, some of your mm-hmm. business objects. This may be used uh, inside the complete application if you enhance uh, the code there. But you can't directly pass them uh, as, as new features to the optimizer. If you have have good, some good luck, you may fill those data into the existing tables mm-hmm. of the optimizer. But uh, mm-hmm. you can't create yes. your own tables. You may create your own tables, but optimizer won't use them because mm-hmm. we have no lo- no such logic to uh, use uh, such user enhancement. Good. Any more words on, on that? Maybe one thing that came into my mind about troubleshooting section, I think if you have a problem and, and you don't get a solution, one more thing you can do is uh, re- release some of the constraints, right? I think in a, within the planning run, you can say, okay, now for the moment, I ignore the capacity mm-hmm. or so, and then see if it then get a result. It must be somehow capacity related, maybe. This will be a new feature we have in the planning cockpit. Mm-hmm. So usually the, when you run the optimizer from the cockpit, the settings from your profiles are used. 
Well, we have an additional pop-up window where you can uh, change some settings. Say you don't want to use capacity constraints for now or scheduling constraints or yeah, some relax some constraints. Okay. Good. Well, one of the longest episodes and we just started, right? So <laughs> maybe think we are good for today. Yeah, so thanks a lot. I, think yeah, I, I oh, perhaps yeah. would, would add some Crystal, small comment. Sure. Uh, we, we do have some further information, some white papers ah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. attached to a node in uh, OSS. It's uh, node 124.0339. There are some additional uh, remarks. Uh, there's a, a guide uh, how to create a good uh, OSS method as we just uh, depicted it. And there are more details on how to do it. There we have some white paper more on the technical side on uh, modeling and performance and some additional information. So uh, perhaps it's a hmm. good idea to get some further information, especially uh, for, for the technical or overview things we just had in this uh, session. Okay. So I think we're good closing words. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the optimizer and its results. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to Make a deeper dive maybe later or go to the next episode then. Bye. Bye.